Welcome to this week's edition of the Casual Shooters Podcast, your premier shooting podcast for the casual shooter. That's a little ad lib, but I like it. All right. This week you have me, you have Leo, and you have Huggy. Hello. What's up? And now that Nationals is over and everybody's getting back to normal, we have another guest. This guest is a past USPSA president and the reigning, current and reigning, limited division Virginia state champ. Let's bring in Phil Scrader. How you doing, Phil? I'm good, thank you. How are y'all? Doing well. Well, not not to take any way take anything away from the person who uh, was crowned the Virginia State champion because they live in the state. I just won the match, um, so I don't know if they call me the Virginia State champion or not. But I did win limited, but I think uh, I think they typically will give the state resident that title. But I don't. Mm. I don't. Chat right here where it counts. <laughs> Since you're yeah. from Virginia, tonight right. we're giving it to you. I lived yeah. there. That was my home club. So I felt like I deserved it. I got the belt. Yeah, absolutely. The championship belt. There you go. Awesome. <laughs> Those are some pretty neat belts. That's uh, you know, I it's a, it's not an easy match to go to. It takes I always take the RV down because Fredericksburg always has you know RV hookups and Gene Sullivan uh, he takes care of me. He gets gets me a spot, um, so I get to spend a night on the range, uh, walk the stages with a flashlight. I'm kidding. I don't do that. Um, <laughs> but, uh, of course you don't. Of course I don't. Right. Um, right. So yeah, it's it's a great it's a great event, and the the trophies are amazing. Um, I've been there three years in a row. Uh, uh, one production uh, the first year. And then second production of the second year and then limited this year. So I uh, I love the match and I, I'm I don't want to say I'm disappointed it's gonna be in Richmond next year, but it's just the accommodations are not gonna be the same. So it's gonna be uh, you know, it's it's bittersweet. I'm sure they'll do a great job. I heard they've they hear they've uh, really expanded that range down there. So we'll see. They have. So, so, in, are you so gonna, in other words, you won't be able to tell them that you're the security guard going around with your flashlight as you're looking at the base. Right. Well, you know, they uh, they, <laughs> they they thought of that a couple of years ago, and they uh, the range master was kind enough to come by and say, if he catches me on the range, then he's going to DQ me. Um, he was serious. So I seriously, if I had, I, I really wanted to get one of those uh, inflatable T-Rex um <laughs> suits and just go down and, and walk the walk the range in that that way they couldn't identify me but uh you, you know go. i didn't do it should have but i didn't have a i didn't have a suit so otherwise well, i always i got i got a guy wear, for that <laughs> you can wear a mask and just put like jj Ricraza or something else across the front yeah just you know as long as i just keep myself blurry and never stop talking then it, sound, it would be just like jj yeah, yeah. yeah. get one of those tattooed mustaches. So you can be like, right? I don't know who you're talking to. Yeah, I don't know what yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. So yeah, yeah. Thank you. That was a good match. So how are we going tonight? So what we uh, yeah, exactly. What we normally do is we have a little segment we call "Get to Know Your Guest" or "Get to Know Our Guest." Okay. Um, so we're going to ask five quick questions to start off the show. All right. Here we go. Your favorite movie? 
Oh, God. Don't feel bad. This gets everybody. So my favorite movie, my favorite movie growing up was Lone Wolf McQuaid. Uh, okay. So I, I don't really, you know, now all the movies are also good. Good. I mean, Lone Wolf McQuaid's not exactly what you would call a great movie, but at the time, you know, it was awesome. So, you know, that's, that's probably, I'll probably keep that as my favorite. It's, it's been my favorite growing up as a kid. So. Okay. There are a lot of other good ones out there, but, uh, because I watch a lot of TV, probably too much, but that one always comes to mind. You know, that was always my the music and everything. Love it. Uh, favorite book? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, the Bible. It's the only one I've ever read. Second uh, time we've one. had that answer. It yeah. is. Can't go wrong. Yeah. I have books everywhere in this house, and I've only read one. And, and that's because I have. Uh, uh, I have some sort of weird narcolepsy uh, when I read. I, I can't keep keep awake, so I don't read books at all. But if I had to pick one other than the Bible, it would have to be one of Jack Carr's books because he gave me a book, and I should probably read it, but I haven't. But you know, I, I would make up. I would just lie and say, "Oh, uh, the Terminal List" or whichever one he gave me. I can't remember which one he gave me. Right, he the latest one that's going to be a series. Yeah, they're doing an Amazon movie with uh, yeah. Brad on that one, I think. Yep. Yeah. Um, you can't, you yeah. can't tell a seal that you didn't read his book, you know? No. Well, you he, know, he I, didn't listen to the show. He's I'm not going to. horrible. Know. I mean, he's such a nice guy. Uh, and I met him. I, I didn't know who he was when I met him. Um, again, like I said, I don't read. I don't. I, I, the best thing about watching movies is there's no reading involved. Um, and I'm pretty much not very intelligent. I'm pretty dumb as, as normal people go. So when I met this guy, I didn't know, I didn't know he was an author or what his books meant or anything like that. I just knew he was a former SEAL and that was kind of cool enough for me. And, uh, you know, as I got to know him, you know, it made me want to read and he actually gave me a copy of his book, signed it for my kid. Cause I, I told him, I was like, man, I, I appreciate it. I'm not going to read it cause I don't read, but my kid reads and uh, he loves this kind of stuff, so he's been giving my kid all those books, so it's pretty cool. And next you know, time you see him, can you just tell him that you've adopted me as your kid? Not, I mean, I'll, I'll take yeah, my copy. Of course, of course, we'll get we'll do a, we'll do a casual shooter, yeah, podcast signed copy for everyone. Yeah, and we'll be like book club. We'll all read it and be like, oh, this was amazing. Yeah, I'm sure it is. I've heard nothing but great things about it. Uh, I wish I did read, but I don't. Okay, sorry. On to the next question. No, no, I'm, good. Just, like I'm just laughing because it's actually kind of funny because I'm like, well, if the movie has subtitles, what happens? Oh, the squid game, man. Every time I watch it, I start I start falling asleep because I have to read so much. <laughs> I'm like, why are, are the subtitles so fast? They're going by so quick. And my kid, he loves all this anime stuff and he will ask me to watch it with him. And I'm just like, look, I can't keep up, man. It's just too much reading. Um, yeah. <laughs> Pretty bad, but you're not wrong. Squid Game has been Squid Game wore me out, man. But it was, <laughs> I was brain tired. I was so tired. It's like, man, it's exhausting to watch. You mean for all the people dying? No, 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 no. Not that. The reading is just. Got me. just it huh. makes you. It makes you laugh, and you sit there and go, "Why do they call that game Squid Game? We used to call it Red Light, Green Light." Yeah. Right. <laughs> exactly. There you go. All right. Question number three is a Huggy special. Who is your favorite superhero? Oh, yeah. Superman. Yeah. Zero hesitation. Quit. Love it. There you go. There you go. Love it. 
your favorite gun and caliber? Wow. They don't have to be the same. Oh, man, that's a tough one. I have a lot. Um, you know, I'll say problem. I'll say my favorite pistol, and I can go a little deeper into this, is a Springfield. Sorry, Sig. It's a Springfield 40 cal. Uh, and the only reason that's my favorite is because that's what I won the Nationals with in 2015. And unfortunately, that's the only gun I've ever won a Nationals with. So, and I've shot 60, 68 of them, um, which makes me, by percentage, the losingest national champion in the history of USPSA, which I'm not proud to say, but I am proud to say that that gun has to be my favorite because that's the only one I've won with. Um, so, yeah, I, I, you know, I feel bad about that one. I have a lot of guns. I have so many. I should have recorded this in my gun room, but we would have been in this thing would have lasted three hours. Right. Um, as far as caliber goes, you know, I mean, I've made a lot of money for six hours with a nine millimeter. So I'll have to have to go with nine millimeter, you know, as my favorite that I enjoy shooting because it doesn't beat me up. You know, it's, it's easy on me. I'm old. I got old hands. <laughs> All right. This, this next question, I always try to, I try to make something that's not as generic. It's more tailored to our guest. So in light of recent events, I think this is a very appropriate question. So there's a tradition in the white house where the outgoing president of the United States leaves a note in the desk to the incoming president. Now, with everything that's happened in USPSA in the last couple months, if you had a chance to leave a note in the desk for the incoming president replacing Mike Foley, what would you put in that note? <laughs> how, how much time do we have? Right, I'll say, how about this? Regardless of how you want to respond, give it 24 hours before you do it. Good bit of advice. That's, that's probably the best advice ever. Yeah. That's, My boss is telling me that before every email I've ever sent. Unfortunately, that's what I used to do. But, you know, it's a double-edged sword. Either you're a complete lunatic online and you uh, you lose control or you give it time, let things simmer, and then you get accused of not being engaging enough. So no one's ever going to be happy. Um, right. You know, so – but best move as – our pre previous president probably has to know by now. I would hope he knows by now is, you know, you, you really, there's a lot of things you want to say and there's a lot of things you shouldn't say. And sometimes if you just stop and let cooler heads prevail and think about the impact of what you're going to say and don't drink while you read uh, messages and comments, make sure you're not drinking. That's probably important. Uh, yeah, it probably would have saved him a lot of uh, a lot of pain and probably, it, I mean, it would have saved him a lot of money, too. I can only imagine the excitement if Bill Duda was president and drinking and reading that stuff and commenting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, the job, is, the job that will drive you to drink, you just have to be able to strategically do it. <laughs> no day drinking is what you're saying. So Brian day drinking is out. Day drinking is out. In fact, you know, all drinking should just be out because, you know, every single bad decision 
I've ever made has been when I've been drinking, probably. Just about every bad decision. So there's water in this cup, not vodka. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I usually tell the cops, too, right? (laughs) Excuse me, I'm crying to my cup of vodka. (laughs) So you started your career as a law enforcement officer, correct? I did. Um, Back way down Southern Virginia, right? Southern Virginia. That's right. Danville or Dan Vegas, as it's called, Virginia. Oh, yeah. Fredericksburg is Fred Vegas. Fred Vegas. I guess everybody says that in Virginia. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Danville was, um, wasn't very great. Wasn't a great place to, to, to be. Um, But it was, you know, it was, it was an easy, it was good work. Um, I, I went to, I went, I graduated from UNC Chapel Hill. Uh, in 93 and then got a job shortly thereafter. I was trying to get into the federal law enforcement system, but obviously at that time the FBI was only, only thing they wanted was accountants. That's all they cared about. So I uh, just went to lo- local law enforcement. My dad was thrilled to get out of Carolina with a pre-law degree to go into, <laughs> go into police work, making 18 grand a year. He was stoked, but um <laughs> You know, uh, yeah, it was a good job. I mean, I did it for a few years and then, um, you know, I had, um, I was, when I was in college, um, when I graduated, I was uh, legally blind for uh, most of my life. So when I got out of college, I had gotten tired of the ridiculous glasses I had to wear and the awful, uh, lenses that I had to put in my eyes. So I went and got surgery. I, I had, um, in 93, it was, uh, RK surgery right the, with the knife with the late with the diamond knife so they were actually cutting your eye and it was trying to heal flat and it took about a year to get the left eye finished and done and uh the next year i had my right eye done with this new technique called uh uh prk or eczema laser surgery um the guy that did that i actually pioneered the lasik process and he was in canada so i flew to canada had my right eye done and by the time i was done Cause I had to have good eyesight, right. To get into the federal system. But by the time I got all that done, they had, uh, the feds had basically said no more eye surgery candidates. We won't take them because they, there was rumors that if you got hit in the eye, it could rupture your, your cornea. So the only federal agency left, uh, that would take eye surgery candidates was the U S Capitol police and yeah, they were a federal agency. And um, so I applied and got in with them uh, shortly after. And, you know, the rest is history. I started when I moved up to D.C., I started I, w- I mean, I was I shot um, I shot competitively a little bit as a police officer in Virginia. But I joined in 94 and I didn't I think between 94 and 97, I shot a maybe maybe four matches total, maybe. Um, so I didn't get a chance to shoot a lot, but when I moved up to Northern Virginia and became a Capitol police officer, the opportunities really popped up and I started shooting a lot. So that's when your career took off, huh? That's yeah. I think that's, that's when I really gained a passion for competitive shooting. I mean, I, I liked it before, but I had to be realistic in my position and the money I made. I didn't, I didn't make any money. Um, I mean, even at Capitol police, I think they started me at 28 and I thought I was rich, you know? Um, 28,000. Wow. But, uh, so, you know, I didn't have a lot of money, so I, I didn't, I couldn't make a lot of ammo or reload. So I, I had to dry fire all the time. And, you know, when I started out as a, 
in, in shooting, I, I just I had a two two eight, a Sig two two eight, and that's what I like to shoot with. So I took it to a match, my first indoor match, or my first match ever in Roanoke, Virginia, and uh, you know I got my butt kicked by this guy with a Colt forty five, you know Colt single stack. So what do I think? I think it must be the gun. Can't be this guy's skill level. So it must be the gun. So I went out, bought a Colt 45 to shoot. Now back then it was, you know, it was limited, it was brand new. And so I shot it limited with a Colt 45. And it wasn't until like the next year when I showed up to a big match and saw these STIs and pair ordinances and realized I made a huge mistake. <laughs> uh, so that's a big piece of advice I give people is, and that's the story I usually tell them is don't, you know, don't get into a rush with your equipment uh, because I could have, I could have done like what like everyone else would have done and said, Oh, this is dumb. Sold the 1911 and gotten an STI. But I was so angry at myself that I, I just decided at that point, I'm going to make grandmaster in limited with a 10 round 45. And that's what I did. I, uh, I had, Took it to nationals in 98. Um, my first nationals, I finished 73rd, I think. Won the last STI frame off of the prize table. It tells you a lot how prize tables changed. Uh, 73rd, took an STI frame off the table. Gave it to a gunsmith. I said, build me a gun and take a picture of it. And when I make Grandmaster with this crap that I'm shooting, <laughs> I want you to send it to me. And that's what I did. I made Grandmaster with that gun in, you know, in 1998. And uh, shot my first match with that STI in uh, January '99. I blew it up on the first stage. So, yeah, life. But um, literally blew it up. Well, it blew, it case had a rupture, so it basically blew up and wow. the stage and zeroed the stage. And so, needless to say, I wasn't very happy. But um, so, yeah, I usually tell people, look, you know, um, I knew at that point my my equipment had slowed me down, and that's when I. Uh, decided to upgrade when you know your equipment, you can't keep up with your ability. And that's very rare nowadays because you know, they, there's so many divisions, um, you know, don't move on. Don't be in an equipment rush. But, but anyway, I digress. Yeah. I was a police officer and didn't have the money to buy a lot of cool guns. And I didn't have a lot of money to reload and get components. So I dry fired a lot and, and uh, really didn't start. I started getting pretty good around 98, 99. And then uh, right at the end of 99, I, was, I really started getting good, getting better. I was a grandmaster from 98 to 2000 or 99 to 2000, but it's on paper. Didn't, didn't really count. I shot like it too. Yeah. <laughs> was that five questions? Did we cover them all? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. We covered them all. The uh, fifth one was the uh, president, the note to the president. Hmm. I don't even know who's running. I, I, I don't even know who's, I, I have no idea. I know, I know who's requested a petition, but I have no idea who's running or when they're going to run or it's, it's frustrating for everyone. I'm yeah. sure. I'm only aware of two. We've interviewed one and hopefully we'll interview the other next month. And that's uh, Mike Shadaloff. He's mm -hmm. a grandmaster. He just shot carry optics nationals and uh, Matt Hopkins. I know. Right is running those are the only two i'm aware of yeah i uh we'll see it's going to be an interesting and it's, it's very interesting right now but it'll we'll see what happens um uh, i know who's not running <laughs> i'm You're trying done? to get huggy to run 
That's right. Just because I think it'd be fun. That's right. Well, I tell you, it's uh, it, it's. I will tell you all the same thing I've told everyone. It's uh, a. It's not as easy as it seems, and B. It's not going to be the same job that people thought that Foley had. Um, it's not going to be a carte blanche shoot every single match you want and make a, a huge salary kind of job. I think, I think that's what the board is trying to avoid, um, which still confuses me because the board is that very board or a version of that board or the same ones that were getting the pay raises and everything. So I don't, a lot of it doesn't make sense to me, but you know, that's why I'm not involved in the politics of it anymore. Sounds like our department. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, right. I'm like write in Pedro just... for president. <laughs> but for go. Pedro, Pedro offers you his protection. <laughs> well, I've said this uh, not publicly, but I'll say it here. You guys get the the scoop. If you know, we'll see what happens in the special election. Um, we'll see who gets elected, and I will sit back and I'll watch um, and see what strides are made or stumbles are made in USPSA, and then. You know, next time the next election comes around, maybe I'll think about it again. But, um, you know, it's just it's just it's a last resort kind of thing. Like, a, you know, I hate to draw, you know, when Donald Trump was asked 20 years ago if he would run for president, he said, I will only run for president if I absolutely have to. And not to compare myself with that, but, you know, I want to give the I want to give the system a chance to work before I take that plunge because I got a great job with Sid. I love what I'm doing. And the last thing I want to do is leave, but I love the organization too. I've been a member of it since, I mean, since 1994. And, you know, I've put a lot of my time into it. I've put, you know, my time in as area director, I put my time in as president, as match director, as a lot, you know, I've, I've worn a lot of different hats and it's, I don't do it because I, I need to, I do it because I love it, you know? So I'm very protective of, uh, of the organization for sure. Well, well we are that, very appreciative, but hopefully you don't have to do that because I like having you at Sid because I like watching your YouTube videos. <laughs> <laughs> Just gonna put that out there. I'm gonna fanboy out a little bit. I enjoy your videos. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Now, I thought I re either read or heard somewhere um, in an interview you had where you mentioned how it was difficult splitting time when you were the president. Yes. Well, when so, I ran, um, when I ran for when I ran for president, I was under the uh, impression and and, under, and the understanding that it was a part time position, uh, hence the part time salary. And you know, I I actually did go to my bosses at Wilmington and said, "Look, this is a possible." Uh, they we they were pretty confident that Voight would not go unseated. Uh, but yeah, because he was very popular president and um, he did a lot of good things, but he'd been in there for three terms, you know, and, and people, we, you know, we get, we get too um, antsy as members. We like to see change, you know, and three terms is a long time. And so I was like, well, it's a chance I could win. And they said, well, this would be good for us too. So go ahead and do it. So they allowed me to run. Uh, I got elected and, as soon as I got elected, you know, I did start getting a lot of pressure from um, from both sides. You know, I would get I would get pressure from um, 
some members and some of the board concerned with that I wasn't putting enough time into it. And, uh, and of course, Remington were getting con concerned that I was putting not enough time into the Remington job. So I was always being pulled in two different directions. Um, but, you know, my, my, my focus uh, as at the, during US, my time with USPSA were the nationals. I wanted to put together the best nationals every year. Um, and, you know, I think we did that. I, I, a lot of people don't remember how the nationals uh, were run in 2012 to 2016, but they were some of the biggest, uh, largest attended and largest, you know, awarded prize table type of matches there were. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm super proud of what we did as uh, what the staff did um, and what the USPSA staff did to make those matches happen. I thought they were great. I never heard anything bad. In fact, we were talking about it. Um, me and Matt and a few others were kind of sitting around reminiscing about the, you know, the good old days at the nationals when, you know, we, things were a little bit, I don't want to say more organized, um, but they were just different. You know, it was more of a, it was more of a, an event, more of an experience. Now it just seems like it's just a, a bigger match, you know, with, uh, you know, with a little bit of, I mean, this, this year they actually did a great job. I think uh, at the carry optics and limited match, as far as the awards go, I mean, there were some, there were some issues there, but as far as the, the venue, having it there at the track was kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, it made it feel bigger. It made it feel more grandiose and more important. And that's kind of what you really want people to experience. You don't want them just to experience the match because let's face it, there are a lot of really great matches. If you ever shoot the mid-Atlantic sectional, I mean, that's a national level stages um, that Vicky and her team put together. That's probably one of the best matches out there. So you can get great matches without going to the nationals, but the nationals should be like a, you know an experience where you get not from, from start to finish. It's like wow factor. And I think, Next year they'll do it even better. Um, they've hopefully learned. They're learning a lot from their, you know, from some of the mistakes that are made. That's, that's what mistakes are. Things you learn from. And next year having cameo as a as a venue for the big match, that'll be uh, that'll be a big time thing as well. That's another experience. I think that's why people like St. George because that was an experience match. That was an experience range. Now the range itself. Hopefully they'll get the improvements they needed because that place was uh, you know the berms are a little iffy and they weren't quite tall enough, but it's in St. George. It's in Zion National Park. You know, you get a chance to experience the area and um, you know, that's why, I, that's why I think Cameo is going to be a great because it's it's near Grand Junction, Colorado. It's, or, uh, it's a beautiful place. So I don't know. I'm very excited to see what next year brings. I'm very excited that we don't have to do a back-to-back a -back with a three-day break in between match. My boss is very excited about that because I was in 10 days in Alabama away from work. And when I'm away from work, everything happens. So, but, um, but yeah, I, I, I think when, when I was president, it was not as easy for me because I couldn't put all my time into it. Now, if I'd known, if I just, if I'd known that, Hey, uh, I could just go to the board and say, this is now my full-time job, double my salary. If I'd known that I'd have quit Remington in 2013, and, you know, I would have just done it. Um, and put all my all my time into USPSA. I didn't even know it was an option. I had no idea. Um, so, you know, and so, so the worst part of that is when I finally made the decision and told Remington, okay, you know, I get it. You guys are, I can't deal with being pulled in all these different directions. And so I told USPSA, I am not going to run again. 
Uh, I'm not going to put my name back into the, the the mix. I think it was like, I can't remember what month it was. I think it was September, October. And then not even a month later, Remington can't you know, just basically let go of everyone in defense division. So in one month, I lost two jobs because it was too late for me to go and put my name back in the, the mix for president. So I lost two jobs in one month. Um, wow. That was not a, not a fun time for us. But uh, I mean, Sig came to the rescue about a week later. They offered me a job, but which I didn't take until um, they offered me the job in uh, early November. And I didn't take it until I didn't accept the job until January 4th, which was the first weekday after my presidency was over. So I wanted to stay in the presidency and try to help Mike kind of through the, through the ropes and get him squared away. And um, so that's kind of what happened. Um, it sucks, but, you know, I try not to look back on anything with any regret. And I enjoyed it. I mean, I enjoyed doing it and it was a lot of work. Um, so I had a great time. So what was the most enjoyable part of it? Uh, you know, the nationals, you know, seeing everyone there and getting a chance to hang out with folks and, um, you know, the awards and getting ready to, you know, and I think I, when I was doing it, we were, um, we were doing the awards a little bit differently. We were actually going down deeper into the classes. Like if you won B class and you got it, we did the old school awards where it was uh, um, the, the match winner uh, or the top 16 would go to the prize table and then high lady, uh, high junior within the division. And I think high junior, high, high lady, high junior, high senior, and then first A, first B, C, D. So if you were, you know, the B class national champion, you got you were in the top twenty going to the prize table because you know, I think I think it's how it should be done. You know, it's it's uh, we we've done we did that during the pro am when I used to run it. We would we would go first through fifth in every class. That way, you know, when if you got second place C class, you were you were getting a gun off the prize table because it brings people back and it gets them excited. And you know, we can all remember our first trophy or our first prize table visit we can all remember that and if it if it's even cooler because you got something awesome it makes it more memorable and it guarantees a customer for life really because i remember my, i remember my first prize table experience and it was amazing and it was fun and exciting and like the whole match was so um i really did i really did enjoy the actual nationals and kind of orchestrating it and um and getting it on the ground was always exciting um hanging out with the ROs you know we had a staff was so fun to hang out with and the whole experience I I, I yeah I can't pick one thing I'm mean, actually what I didn't like I didn't have to I didn't like the, the board meetings that ran for four hours that wasn't very fun um but you know I really did enjoy the nationals and seeing it all come together you know eight months worth of work all kind of coming together in one weekend was always pretty cool I imagine it's kind of like a big celebration for you, the culmination of all your work. As long as it goes well, yes. Um, so yeah, I, I couldn't, I couldn't, I, I was, I enjoyed it very much. Um, it was a labor of love, put it that way. I'm glad someone else is doing it. I enjoy <laughs> just going to the match and shooting and leaving. I will admit that, but uh, you know, I, I did enjoy the the work too. Yeah, it's like so, a grandkid that way, or like a niece or a nephew. Like it's nice hanging out with them, but then you got to give them back. You're like, all right, bye. Yes, yeah. yes, exactly right. Except in Alabama, oh my gosh, I didn't think the ten days were ever, was ever going to end. That last day of that limited nationals, I was just I was done. I was spent. 
So like while we're in uh, Vegas, in Vegas and spending more than three days out there. Yeah, Vegas was uh, Vegas was challenged, man. That was a that was a that was a contract that I inherited from Mike, and um, and you know I did actually use Vegas to 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 my advantage because you know Three Gun Nationals was basically on its way out when I when I took over. I mean, everyone was going. Um, the match was scattered, and I was like, "Look, this match needs a home. It needs a certain weekend and a certain venue, and this is where it's going to be." And Pete Renzig, uh, he actually helped put it all together, and he kept things going out there because that's a tough club to deal with. But that club actually saved three nationals, in my opinion, because toward at the end of at the beginning of my term, the year before I started, uh, the three guy nationals, the year before I think got 140 shooters, and by 2015 we had uh, we had almost 300. So because you know people knew where to go, they knew what weekend to do it, and it was you know it was it was a great match, and we had we we. We did pretty well in Vegas, but like you said, how much time do you want to spend out there? Because you got Vegas for that match and we have Vegas for shot show. I felt like I was going to Vegas. I went there like two or three times a year. I felt like I was had a second home there. It was horrible. And then for anyone who lives in Vegas, I'm sure it's fine to live there. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so now what are your, let me ask you this. I've been tracking. I track the, um, what I call like a popularity, a division popularity um, statistics through all the major matches I can find. And carry optics is far and away the most popular division out there. Definitely. So I was actually, I was actually kind of excited that even though I don't know that it is the best idea, I was kind of excited that carry optics is its own national uh, championship next year, a standalone match just because of a couple of things. One, you know, you can have 500 all carry optic shooters makes it a little bit easier for the most popular division to have people come and partake. Right. And two, I feel like everybody who shot this year, JJ, Max, Nils, maybe even Jason Bradley will come back next year. Wanzik, all those top level guys, including yourself, will be back there again next year. And Christian, Christian Saylor. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that kid will put up put some fear in some folks, and maybe even Grafell might come back come next year. Now that would be awesome. I've been yeah, I, I talked to him that. a couple of days ago, and I've been trying to convince him. For him, it's a little harder to come come to the states, obviously. But right, I mean, I don't want him to come from a statistic point point of view. I don't want to get my butt kicked by another guy. But, um, but yeah, I mean, carry optics is look. It's it's a great. I don't like the division. I actually helped create it. It was, I mean, the division, <laughs> my idea. I mean, I, I, it, I had to take credit for it, but I don't like it. I just don't like it. I don't like, sh I don't like shooting it. It just sucks to shoot because the dot shows you all, everything you're doing wrong. And at least in open, you can get away with stuff because the gun doesn't recoil. Now you got all the recoil. And I mean, I, just, scoring. I don't like it, but I'll shoot it better than any, I'll shoot it better than almost any division. Almost as good as single stack. You know, first the end of day one, I was right. I was two points behind JJ. Why? Why? <laughs> I mean, day two, obviously that didn't happen. But um, and but, but day three, I didn't lose anything. I gained like ten points on everyone because I lost one hundred and ten the second day. But be that as it may, you know, it is popular because you basically got all the fun of open, 
with exception of obviously the the gun shoots open gun shoot a little bit better that's a fact but you have all the fun of a red dot optic to make the hard shots easier and you don't have to deal with a lot of the expense of reloading and a lot of the stress of shooting major all the time um you basically have a, a division that you theoretically could spend minimal amounts of money on and you know under a thousand bucks on the equipment and still have fun you know have high capacity magazines um the division has it's not exactly what i envisioned it when i um when i when we voted it in when i was president um but i mean i know the facts are if you give someone a a, a easier gun to shoot more ammo they're always going to be happy even if it's not the intent of the division and i get that um but it gives people a place to go that makes the shooting easier. And let's face it, when you're a new shooter and I give you two options, you can take this iron sighted pistol that holds 17 rounds and put 10 rounds in it and shoot production. Or you can take this pistol, put a red dot on it and load the magazines all the way up and even maybe get a extended magazine for it. So obviously the, the, the attention is going to go to the newer division. Now I will say, you see a huge boost in carry optics uh, this year. And I will say, look, it's, I have, it has a lot to do with how the nationals were put together. I mean, the, 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 produ uh, the production nationals were basically, I don't know, Christmas. I don't know when they were, it was early in the year. The point <laughs> is they were really early. So by the time, you know, the, the, the year season had almost started, the production nationals was over and the next yep. big nationals was carry optics. So, you know, I don't like carry optics, but I shot it all year pretty much because what else am I going to shoot? Am I going to shoot production? What am I, why am I shooting production? Because there's no production nationals to prepare for. So, right. Uh, and, you know, I, I think you're going to see that again next year. You got to, I mean, people, a lot of people don't shoot single stack. Um, a lot of people don't shoot L10. So, you know, those, that match, I'm glad it's single stack is kind of its own division. I know a couple of people will go shoot L10, but Latham, and myself and Seaclander and hopefully Nils, we'll see. Um, and Jacob Hetherington, maybe. I mean, they'll have a lot of top folks in the single stack, and that's what I love. You know, I like competing against the very, very best all the time, which is why I used to love when single stack was its own division, you know, back in the the, the passive park days. But, uh, I, but I, after that match, you know, you've got basically nothing between May and September except to prepare for the Carry Optics Nationals. Um, so I got a feeling you're going to see those divisions spike again. You know, they're going to see that being the biggest pistol division again until, until September, you know, and then obviously from September to October, it's not a lot of time to prepare, but then you might start seeing some people shooting production and limited more, but, but yeah, it's going to lend itself very well to a popular division. And I think next year you're going to see the same trend. You're going to see a lot of people just start shooting carry optics. Not, not a bad thing. I mean, I think it's, I think it's good for the sport. Anything that draws uh, new shooters in and makes uh, makes the shooting seem easier and makes it, you know, the last thing you want is to have a match where someone leaves frustrated and that gun having a dot on a gun does make the hard shots easy or easier. So, you know, it has its it has its place, and you know, I'm proud to have have come up with it, but I still don't like it. I'm an Ironside guy through and through. It's like a first marriage, you know? Right. 
you know, like, oh, I got into it and now I hate it, but I keep going back to it every now and then. Yeah, yeah I know. That's memories. The, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, they I get made fun of a lot by my shooting friends because they know I don't really, they know I don't enjoy, I don't enjoy shooting because it shows me too much. It makes me, I like loose. I'm like the cold trickle of shooting. I like to be loose and fast and I can get away with stuff. I know exactly what I can get away with with an iron sight gun. I know where my sights can be and not be to pull off those right shots. And and the dots, I don't know that yet. So every time I shoot a dot gun, it's like dead center. And I'm not smart enough to know that the dot doesn't have to be in the middle of the screen or in the middle of the target. So I very rarely do I miss when I shoot carry optics, but I'm also slower, which makes for a less exciting match, which obviously if you shoot a not exciting match, you're usually going to win. Be honest with you, because it's, <laughs> it's the matches you win are the ones you don't really remember all the details. You just kind of cruise on through and never remember much. So, <sighs> but, well, yeah, we've talked about win. that before. Like it's it's the consistent person that the performance wasn't exciting, but they was really consistent that usually wins. And then people that go to burn it down are like, "Hey, it looked really cool, but yeah. I won yeah. one stage and I finished 99th on all the other ones." Right. I mean, Mason. Mason's match at Limited Nationals this year was not exciting to watch. I mean, it was he was just kind of cruising through. Now Blake's match was exciting to watch. You know, Blake's like just turns it on. He looks like he's like a roller coaster getting ready to come off the tracks all the time, and he's fast and he's you know exciting <laughs> to watch. But that didn't that didn't work out. You know, um, it's just a slow and steady marathon pace, and it's uh, it's a hard lesson to learn. I uh, I get it, but uh, congrats to that kid for pulling it out the last day. Couldn't be prouder. Sig won limited nationals twice in his hands, which is pretty exciting. Yeah, yeah. It'd well, be more exciting if I'd done it, but <laughs> uh, I got to let someone else do it. <laughs> got to share the well. at some point, you know. Right. I, yeah. I imagine you live up there near him somewhere. So yeah, he's about an hour from me, but we uh, we talked. We just got. We just talked. Uh, few minutes ago okay um yeah. i kind of think of casey eusebio as well he's the same way i looked at his performance uh it was either last year's nationals or the one before where his times were crazy fast but then he'd have one where you know he's a hundredth place right and then he'd be right there at the top again and then a hundred so but he's also exciting to watch yes that is very he's true so, yes yeah. Yeah, especially in open. Open is uh, open is super, super, is super important to be consistent in open, and that's where Christian is. Is you know he's he he was the favorite to go in there because he just he's just consistent, never slows down, and never speeds up. He just does things the way he needs to do it. It'll be very interesting to see uh, what happens if Eric shoots open against him. Uh, he's like a twenty-year-old Max Michelle. Yeah. Very consistent. Doesn't make a lot of mistakes and just yeah. knows what he can do and he does it. He's very uh he's very athletic too. Don't let it, don't let that fool you. He's very very oh, quick. Yeah. He's fast when he needs to be. He's a good shooter. Oh yeah, for sure. That's what I try to and tell that, these guys about me. Yeah, I'm sure. Fast, I'm fast when I need to be. I just don't always need to be. Fast uh, at the dinner table. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? We're gonna agree to disagree on, on that, Huggy. Um, <laughs> fast is a you. relative term, right? <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm fast. It's just the stopping part that sucks. You know, if I could just manage 
to convince them just to do all empty gun starts or do reloads or speed shoots across the board, then I think I would be a serious threat. But uh, that's whole field course and running around thing, you know, just uh, it's not easy. I was I was gonna say I watched you on your stage win with oh, a carry optics gun. I know. Damn it. I know. <laughs> I, uh, did you know? It's so shame to be good. Ugh. Did you, you know, know that Nils? What's that? I was gonna say. Did you know that Nils was kneeling behind you, videoing from underneath? Well, yeah. So there's a story to that. Silly story. <laughs> okay. But uh, so I was. I was. That was uh, my last stage of day two, right? Uh, mm -hmm. And day two, as I mentioned, was a disaster day for me. I, I dumped over a hundred match points uh, mm -hmm. that day on the on the other five stages I shot. And, uh, you know, I saw the unloader start and I was over in the safe area, just, you know, got my empty magazine and I was trying to pick the gun up and just work on my load. Cause yeah, that's when I practice as at the match and I'm laying the gun on the side and I have one of those, uh, thumb rests of go gun, uh, the gas pedal thing on my gun. And it's mm. the gun, you know, like this on a table. So the mag well is literally sitting flat on a table. And I was like, well, wait a minute. So this is a thing that Angus Hobdell used to try to do. He'd you know, push the magazine in with the gun sitting like this and the magazine sitting under it, under the grip, and he would push them together and rack the slide and go. It never really worked out too great for Angus. I saw him spin the gun around once. and uh, <laughs> so I went over to the safe area, and I tried it. And sure, sure enough, I spin the gun, and it points at me. So, uh, that's not what you want to happen. Let's try it again. So I did it like five times in a row after that, and it was really quick. Well, they screw it. Why not? So I went uh, on my way back from the safe area. I saw Carl Schmidt sitting there and I was like, hey, you might want to stick around stage whatever this was, seven. I think I was shooting. You might want to stick around here because you might be getting a call to come DQ me um, because I'm going to try this thing. And he said, oh, God. So he went over <laughs> and he stood by. And I told uh, Nils, I said, hey, I said, just want to put this out there. I'm either going to win this stage by 10% or I'm going to DQ. And uh, so obviously when I tell someone that I'm not screwing around and he knows that. So he took his camera out and started recording as soon as I went up there and uh, turned out it worked out. Okay. Uh, yeah. You won by 10%. I did. Uh, and that was, uh, uh, you know, there's a PCC guy there that now he didn't come close either. Yeah. That was a good stage. <laughs> uh, in fact, yeah. that night at the house, we were staying at a house, and Matt Nash was asking, "What in the world did you do there?" And I showed him. I took, you know, got my gun and beat it out and everything. And I was showing him on a on a chair, uh, and so he was trying to do it as well. And then we did it. Uh, I had my limited gun, and we were messing around on a, on a practice range um, the day before the match. I took a hundred rounds out to practice with because that was about as much as I could handle. And uh, and uh, I managed to get a .87 first shot on a seven-yard target from an unloaded start, which is as fast as I've, I mean, twice as fast as I've ever done it with, you know, just picking the gun up. Oh, God, there it is. Yeah. Yeah, you guys saw yeah, that. I, one. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that was there it. Is. Luckily, Matt, Matt managed to get his one good one on there. <laughs> yeah, that was While you guys part. recorded it. That's like yeah. tandem That's... diving in the Olympics. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty. <laughs> so pretty it, it definitely makes for a fast load, but it also is uh, what you would call high risk. So right. 
I'm not sure if those 60 match points were worth it, but it turned out to be a pretty cool video. So, um, they, uh, if they could make all the stages like that, I'd be golden. I'm for sure. You probably just started a trend now. So you're probably going to see a lot more people starting that way. I've Remember, seen it before with open guns. I've never seen yeah. anybody do it with a carry optic gun. It's not as easy. Well, if you have a thumb rest on your, uh, or the gas pedal on your, uh, your 320, then it will sit pretty well. But uh, you guys remember the mag catch? Remember the, the reload with the catch? Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. started that one too, and I regretted that one. So hopefully this one will go a little bit better. <laughs> I started it. I showed it to JJ. I had to be 25 years ago. I said, JJ, check this out. And I did the load, caught the magazine, and he proceeded for like an hour to try it in his bed. We were I was staying at his house. Me and my wife, you know, we used to visit him and his family up in New Jersey a lot. And he was in his room just trying, practicing, trying to catch it, trying to get it. Never could get it. And he finally could get it. And he put it on YouTube. It was like, went viral. Or, you know, it just, and I, was, I was like, you got credit for what I taught you how to do. And uh, freaking JJ, man. So, yeah, that, then, then I started seeing videos of it all over, the all over the world, literally all over the world, just people reloading and catching a stupid magazine. I was like, well, that's the dumb. Then when you see someone else do it, like, that was dumb. That just doesn't look good at all. So. I felt pretty guilty about starting that stupid trend. <laughs> it's great for the Instagram, I'm sure. It is. It is. Well, you know, that was, that was those were the days before Instagram, so I didn't even think about. You know, I just I missed my I missed I missed the timeline on that. I guess stupid. <laughs> so I have to, come, so I have to think of something else dumb to do. You didn't realize you were such an influencer. Oh gosh, I didn't even know. Even were influencers. I didn't even know there's a job description. That's what people yeah. are calling themselves now. I'm an influencer. On you're gonna pay me, Sig. I'm an influencer. I don't know what that means. Get away. So the old cool term for it, like the like the the old people. Are original. Really I was an original influencer. Yeah. Right? You, well, that you'd be like a trendsetter. Yes. Know? Instead of pound yeah. sign, hashtag, like it's all changed now. Yeah. So trendsetter now it's influencer. Right. Maybe if I start wearing tube socks and pulling them up too high, people will start doing that too. I guess. I mean, well, see, then, then, you would then, be happy. You're, then you're going OG. I've seen a lot of tall <laughs> socks. Yeah. I've seen a lot of tall socks in the shooting industry or on the range. So it could be a thing. Oh. <laughs> I, I wore mine. Uh, yeah. They're American flag socks. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it was funny because me and Luigi shot on the same squad and we both had the high socks. Oh, very nice. <laughs> he shot a little outcomes. better. Yeah, totally different. Yeah. Way different. Us, us old people call them compression socks. Compression socks. I drive the RV with those. They're absolutely wonderful. Yes. <laughs> so before we get into the SIG stuff, I understand um, you weren't holding the gun properly at a, at a match. And was it Todd Jarrett who... Oh, wow. Yeah. Did an impromptu class with you? Yes. So, yeah, when I started out shooting, I was um, I was a police officer. Right. So back in those days, Weaver stance was a big thing. And, you know, I remember I had uh, this eye. My left eye was corrected at that point, And this eye was not. So I couldn't really see very well out of my right eye. So when they told me to, I guess it'll look like my left. Is this? Oh, it's not reversed. OK, we're good. Uh so when they when they teach you how to shoot back in those days, you know, they kind of do the whole weaver stance. So for me, it lent itself pretty well with using my left eye, just turning my head and putting the gun, you know, the sight in front of my left eye. 
And um, so for me, Weaver was pretty standardized, you know, and thumb over thumb deal here. Um, and so as I learned to shoot a little bit better and as I learned to kind of not be quite the Weaver guy and kind of start to straighten up, not quite straight, but start, start to straight, start to straight up. I didn't use the thumb safety. I flicked it off on the way out of the holster and I would just sweep, sweep past it. And I would get the other hand here, you know, instead of doing the whole thumb on top of the safety thing. And, you know, Todd Jarrett had just won the triple crown. He'd won the world shoot open and limited nationals in the same year. And he was a big deal. I mean, he still is, but at the time, you know, he was a big deal, bigger deal for me. And, uh, you know, I was a shooter groupie, I guess you could say at the time I followed him a lot. I didn't follow him, but you know, I, I knew he'd won this. And it was kind Stalker. of a big word. Stalking him. Stalking. <laughs> yeah. Stalking him. Um, and, but I was super excited to shoot with him on the same squad. And of course I'm like trying to push too hard, go too fast and shooting my single stack 45 against his pair ordinance, 20 round gun. So, uh, you know, but I, I do remember I beat him on a stage because uh, he had a miss. It was an eight shot speed shoot. He had a miss and I didn't. And uh, so I was super excited. And I asked him, I said, yeah, Mr. Jared, I said, uh, I just wanted to say hi and see if you saw anything I was doing wrong uh, during our match. And he literally, he said, son, he said, cuz, he said, you're doing about 12 things wrong before you even get the gun out of the holster. So, <laughs> and then he, that was it. He didn't, I mean, that was it. And we just kept, we went to the next day. It was like, well, that was helpful. And uh, so I'm over at the safe area, just, just holding the gun wrong. And he came over, well, let me know, show you something good. Put your thumb over here. And he started, and he was like working with my hands. He was standing all wrong. You know, put your hand foot over like that. And he go, put your hand right there on it. Yeah, go like that. And he'll put it really tight. And he put those, he's got the strongest hands you could ever feel. He's like, he puts his hands on my hands and he squeezed. I don't know squeeze right there. So I don't care to keep your mouth. We'll put that. I was like, okay. So I basically had been, I'd made B class. I was on my way to A class like this. And now I have to learn this with a different grip. So I basically, thanks to Todd, I had to relearn, completely relearn how to shoot. But it turned out, it worked out pretty well because I shortly made grandmaster and then became pretty, pretty solid after that. Um, and, and so, yeah, Todd, Todd actually did teach me how to hold a pistol correctly. Uh, I want to say it was 98, 97, 98, something like that. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's kind of where I got my very first real lesson because as a police officer before they, they just say, Hey, just line these things up and hold them there until the gun goes off and pull the trigger. And that was it. And then I went to Capitol police and they gave me a little bit more instruction, but I was just always just a you know decent trigger puller. And that was that. After that, it just kind of fell in place. Now, learning how to rehold the gun, draw it out, and get the right grip every time, that became difficult for a bit. But, you know, you learn. And that's what I, I tell that story a lot, too, when I teach. You know, everyone, you know, you, you, you'll be teaching someone a, a, a technique. Then how many times have I heard? I can't tell you how many times I've heard. Well, you know, it just feels more comfortable this way. This is how I've always done it. And which is it bewilders me that someone will pay me, you know, a lot of money to come teach them how to shoot. And then I'll try to teach them how to shoot. And they tell me they like the way they shoot now. And I was like, well, what are you paying me for? So I, and I would basically ask them, I said, well, look, if, if, if clearly your comfortable way hasn't been working or you wouldn't have paid me to come here. And then I have to tell the story about, look, don't get too comfortable in your comfort zone because sometimes breaking out of it, We'll get you out of that plateau and take you to the next level. 
and that's what happened to me. And, you know, I've always thanked Todd for that. Um, so, yeah, never be afraid to break out of that comfort zone because just because you've always done it a certain way doesn't mean there's not a better way to do it. And if I could just take a class from Todd again, if you just come teach me, I, maybe I'll get to that next level again. <laughs> We're just glad Huggy stopped doing the cup and saucer. I was waiting to see if you're going to say anything of, about. Of that. course, I'm going to say it, man. You were I shooting was like, like oh fight. my god! <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. And I bring this up because Charlie's not because angels. to make fun of you, but because we were getting made fun of for being the friends of the guy that shot like that. So no. like, why did you bring this guy with you? We're like, I don't even know who that is. I don't know this guy. Have him removed. He just followed us from the parking lot. I don't know. Because <laughs> it was, it was uh, Randy and then Alan from the the husband and wife from Pennsylvania. They were like, "What do you? What do you? Why?" Like they didn't even want to be the same squad as him. Oh, but you know what? Hey, but they fixed it. Fixed it, and now I'm good. Now you don't shoot like giant Barney Fife. No, I don't. Now, now the sky's the limit. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Now we just got to get Mr. Jarrett to come and, you know, fix the other 11 things that are wrong. Yes. <laughs> Luckily, you know a guy that can call him for you. I'll call him right now. He's on the phone. Yeah, you're going to have to have a translator if you're going to have him in a class. Huggy used to watch a lot of Foghorn Leghorn. He'll be fine. Well, you I'll know say, what? I'll say, I, I'll say I, again. Can tell, I can tell you, Phil, I live in Front Royal. Trust me, I can probably. Oh, God. Yeah, he's oh, that's the one thing I'm not worried about is him understanding. Yeah, yeah, you you won't have any problem on that boy. Okay? <laughs> oh, that's funny. Oh man, <laughs> that's funny. So yeah, my, you... my shooting career has been uh, has been an interesting one. I've uh, I've been very blessed, but it's been you know it's it's been it's been. I don't want to say it's been a challenge because that wouldn't be true. It's not for me. It came easy. Um, I, I did work a lot when I had my, my Colt, when I was shooting that single stack, I did work. I worked. Uh, a lot of people think that I don't practice and I don't, but a lot of people think it just, I just showed up and started shooting really well. And it's not really how it happened. I mean, I was, I was really hitting it pretty hard from uh, the years of probably 90, eight to 2000 i was um i, I wasn't shooting a lot because i just didn't have a lot of money um but i was i was always always had a gun in my hand always had a gun on my belt i was like i was uh big i'm still good friends i haven't talked to him in a while but i used to watch uh and, and stalk armando valdez and you know he was a, a big time iron sight shooter uh miami pd guy and he walked around with his gun on his, his competition rate all the time when he was at home he always had it on because he wanted to get totally intimate and comfortable with the gear and he could dry fire whenever he wanted to. And that was kind of the philosophy that I took. So, you know, I did work pretty hard um, on those days and I actually worked pretty hard after that. I was shooting a lot. I was competing a lot. Um, and I did eventually get a, an ammo sponsor or bullet sponsor. Um, and then Atlanta arms started helping me out. They still help me out. Uh, actually that's, they uh, when I when I need ammo that Sig can't provide, they I call Jason on the phone and he sends whatever I need. So it's they really take care of me. Um, but it's easy for them to take care of me because they can send me seven thousand rounds and I don't call again for three years because I don't shoot right. I only shoot matches with it. So uh, for them, it's it doesn't make a lot of sense not to. 
but um but yeah it, there is work involved but i have i will admit that my career has been uh easier than some um i can't explain why i've been asked that question a lot um i just don't know uh, i i do uh if i find something that interests me like um I shot PPC for a while with my police department and that uh, I did work at that a little bit because I sucked so bad at it and I hated being bad at it. So I did practice that here and there. Um, it also helped me with Bianchi cup shooting and, and uh, some of the things I did there and still challenge. Um, my first time at still challenge, I actually shot really well. My first still challenge, I was uh, third and limited at the first steel challenge world championship I went to. And, but I really, I, I enjoyed it. So I actually practiced a little bit, um, not very much, but a little bit. And then when, before the steel challenge the next year in 06, when I won limited, I shot like a thousand rounds before the, before the match, we had a practice range there on site and I shot my butt off. You know, I had, I looked like a mummy when I was done because I don't shoot enough and my hands were just not used to shooting that many rounds. So I was shooting the match. I had tape on almost every finger. So, um, but yeah, I have been very, very blessed in that. I don't have to put a lot of time into it um, like a lot of people do. So um, so I have to kind of remember where I came from because all the things I used to teach, uh, especially you know in the 2015 era when I was still teaching and before that, I had to kind of remember where it came from because for me to teach someone how to shoot, I had to have some sort of reference and that's what I usually did was reference my old school days when I was coming up with drills to, to, to work on certain techniques instead of just going and shooting matches all the time. Cause I used to shoot club matches. I mean, in one month I would shoot six club matches every month cause that was practice for me. That was getting ready, you know, and shooting. So I've been pretty, pretty blessed. So did you, um, did you shoot your local matches then like it was nationals or, a major match? Oh yeah. Yeah. I shot the same way every single time. Uh, I never held back. I never shot, um, conservative, you know, uh, I, in retrospect, I probably should have. Um, but I, I, I didn't, I just pushed all the time and eventually got to the point where, um, I was starting to be able to gain control. A little bit more so me pushing wasn't pushing anymore it was just me shooting fast or faster than normal um but yeah i, I shot every match like it was as a nationals because if i figured if this is going to be the last match i shoot I mean, the year i won the nationals the year i won in, in 2015 uh in fact i'm trying to find that info here um the last time i won in, in 2015 i shot a club match uh in april and I shot 27 rounds of Rob Latham's ammo into a grass berm on the range and then won the Nationals in 2015. That's how much practice I put into it the year I won. So that club match, I was kick, I was really pushing. <laughs> <laughs> Goodness gracious. So, yeah. I, a lot of shooting. I shoot every match like it's the Nationals. Now, I don't, I don't act that way. I don't, like, get worked up or anything. I have a blast because I have fun at Nationals. I even when I'm trying to shoot for the win, I still like to have fun. That's the whole point of going is, is the fun factor. I don't go to get stressed out. I mean, I don't need that. I'm, I've already, 
I don't need to be stressed out. Trust me. I have plenty of stress in my life now. I don't need to add to it by getting so worked up, but um, I can say that, uh, that when I'm shooting, I don't hold anything back. I go for it every time. Okay. Every time. I mean, you only got so many heartbeats. Why waste them on being stressed, right? Right. I mean, I'm running out of them. I'm old. You'll still never be as old as Huggy. <laughs> well, I'm always gaining, though. Percentage-wise, I'm always gaining on. That's fair. That's that. That's math. That's a way above me. I yeah, like Dave, I I, Dave worries about the math part. So it's funny we mentioned nationals. I have a. This is how psycho I, I am about it. I have a spreadsheet uh, of nationals. Okay. Uh, just made so, Dave very happy. I, I like where this is going. Yeah. I don't know. I, mean, I don't know why I started it, but I was just like, I wonder how much of my life I have spent at a national championship. Turns out it's a lot. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I went through and I, I found, I dug up all the results I could find um, and dug up every single year I'd shot and d- broke it up by division and the finish and everything. And I have this crazy spreadsheet of every match that I ever shot. And uh, the limited nationals I just finished was my 68th national championship. Uh, and the only matches that I never, I didn't enter was in 2012 because that was my first year president. And I wanted to just uh, focus just on getting the match on the ground. So I didn't shoot. I didn't want any distractions. And my wife hurt her leg really bad in 2016 and i had to miss the limited production nationals that year so technically i should be up to 74 but or 72 but but be that as it may i had this ridiculous spreadsheet done and uh so yeah i can like i can go to any division and see what my average finish is per division like yeah, if I want to look at uh, Dave's like, probably gonna ask you to email that to him later yeah <laughs> right I'm like do you, like do I can you tell you right now hands? Like Dave is waiting to start asking you questions about the the spreadsheet. Like I can guarantee knowing how many spreadsheets Dave has like, cause I've seen work related spreadsheets. I guarantee you, he's going to ask you to email that to him later. Oh, really? He is salivating. He's chomping at the bit right now to be like, all right. So this year, I, I can tell you, I can tell you how many, I can tell you how many nationals in each division I've shot, what my average finish is like from, 20 years, 20 years to now, a 20 year average. Uh, I can tell you literally all that stuff. And uh, it's absolutely crazy. <laughs> so silly. But I thought y'all might like that. That's I mean, pretty good. I, I do like does. it. Yes, for sure. He's so happy right now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good. You guys give me too much credit. <laughs> I don't know, man. I've seen some spreadsheets. Actually, Dave taught me how to make a spreadsheet. Yeah, this one's not terribly complicated, but it's, you know, it's uh, it's just ridiculous. Are there colors involved? Because if there's colors, I can well, definitely track it. I keep it I keep it color free. Oh, I, see, I'm lost already. I just keep the filters on. So if you want to filter, you just pick, you know, multi gun. Who would have ever thought? I've shot one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen multi gun nationals. I did not know that. Holy cow! Yeah. yeah. Certainly more than one. So are you going to shoot next year's multi-gun? You know, I don't know. Um, I have never been to the Clinton house. Um, it looks really nice. The problem I, I hear really people is, die there. 
<laughs> I didn't say it, but I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Sorry, not a sponsor. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. It just slipped out. Uh, you know, maybe I will. It just depends. A lot of things depend on my work. Um, they give me my work. Uh, Sig is great to me. They 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 give me time off to shoot, which is great. Um, and I get a certain amount of days. But it is pretty early in the year. Uh, maybe I will. I don't know. I, I might shoot it. Um, I do love shooting three gun. I just you know, I just don't like I just don't like lugging the equipment around. You know, if I could just drive, if I could just drive to it. Um, it would be, it would be obviously, it'd be a hell yes, I'll go. But to Clinton, South Carolina from New Hampshire, that's a haul. Mm. Even in a motorhome, that's a haul. And it means that it's going to take me two days to get there and two days to get back, which means yeah. I got to ask for four days off from work. And my boss is, uh, you know, he's, he makes it very clear and makes me understand that you are not a pro shooter, you're a, you're a product manager. So, uh, so there's also pressure from work, and I get it. Um, but and but as long as I'm finishing, if I continue to finish in the top ten, and and you know people there start to realize that I'm still, I would say a force, but I'm still always going to be towards the top. Then I can still keep myself as a ranked national shooter. I think so. I'm still okay with that, and it seems they don't seem to be upset. They still let me come to the matches, but we'll see. Um, I might go. I don't know. I mean, listen, and I'm very willing to fill in if you just give like let me know the info. I'll just send you the slot and just just go yeah. No, no, you don't. Well, want no, to he means I'll cover for you at Sig. Yeah, you oh, 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 oh. especially <laughs> if there's steel involved. That's a terrible idea. Man. I will definitely cover for you <laughs> at work, though. Man, that might be that. Maybe that can. Uh, maybe I can work that out. We'll, I'm a very people-oriented person, and I can be mean if I need to be to get stuff done. You know, just do a few product videos, and they'll love you. Yeah. No. I, look at this face. You yeah. know. Made for I got you. Years. Yeah, and I've already got. I got a Sig shirt. I got stickers. I got a hat. What? He, oh, he yeah. probably owns more. Do you know how many Sig guns are sitting over here waiting for us to anybody. get to that point? So I could just be like, "Oh, this one. Oh, this yeah. one. Yeah, I, I got you. I don't doubt it. I don't yeah, doubt it. We're good. I got a couple back there. Yeah, we're. All right. I got you. Done. I'm going to. I'm, sounds like I'm going to Multi Gun Nationals. Boom. You're welcome. <laughs> All, all he wants is just a Team photograph player. with your signature on it. <laughs> that was for later. Let us ease into yeah, we'll work into that. Let's work into that. Yeah, yeah. Calm down. Don't, don't creep out the talent. Yeah. <laughs> this guy. <laughs> Second show back, and he's already making weird requests. <laughs> Jeez. I'm, I don't want it. I'm doing it for you. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Dave, can you mute him, please? Oh, honestly. <laughs> out of control, this guy. <laughs> So, so, so you went from being a law enforcement officer to working at um, Remington. Yeah, there was a there was a break there um, when I uh, when I was a U.S. Capitol Police officer um, from two in two thousand two. I decided uh, I had some money saved up and I had to make a choice either to buy a Corvette or buy a business. So I bought a shooting range. Um, I bought Shooter's Paradise in Woodbridge, Virginia in 2002. Yeah. And yeah, basically yeah, just put everything we had. My wife and I worked there every day. I worked from six to two at, at work in the Capitol, drive down to Woodbridge, work from three to 10 every single day, every weekend. We worked our butts off. We put everything we made back into the store, turned it into a beautiful place. 
and then uh, sold it. I uh, got an offer from a security company. Um, actually, I got a, an offer from a security company and uh, word got out that someone was trying to buy the range and I got into a bidding war between two ranges and uh, wow. it worked pretty well. And we ended up selling the place and, you know, I worked another two years at, at U.S. Capitol Police and I wasn't very happy there. I was a lot of changes were being made that weren't conducive to good training um, and not uh, and I was very protective of the police officers that I used to train. I wanted to make sure they had the best training and I didn't just want to have them go and qualify for a score and leave. I didn't think that was enough. So I uh, they didn't see it the way I saw it. So I. I basically just told him, I'm rich, bitch. I don't need to work here anymore. So <laughs> and I, I like it. <laughs> so I got my, uh, I got my 10 years. I got tenured in for my 10 years. And on my 10 year anniversary, I, uh, I left. And uh, my last, you know, for about four or five months, I was consulting for the U.S. Shooting Academy in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And uh, so I was kind of working on a deal with them. And as soon as I left there, I started my contract with U.S. Shooting Academy. I worked there for a couple of years. Uh, I had a two-year contract. Uh, you know, unfortunately, when I moved there, you know, I met the owner. Um, he was kind of a – he lived life pretty loose and fast. And uh, I could – writing was kind of on the wall for that place. Uh, so I knew it wasn't going to make it. But I did my two years. I got out and not – and very shortly after it went under, the place went under, um, which is unfortunate. But – uh, but for the for, and once I got out of there, I was training a lot. I was doing my own thing. I think I taught. I taught for. Uh, I, thought, I think I taught for two years on my own, own just just traveling all over the world and teaching, and uh, and then I got a job with Remington shortly after that. So it was about a three and a half four year hiatus between Capital and going to work for Remington Defense. But I was there for. Uh, I was at Remington Defense for I want to say about four years before they shut the defense division down that that saw that writing on the wall too. Um, mm. Luckily I only see good things for SIG. Um, so I'm pretty happy, but yeah, once Remington let me go, SIG called me immediately and uh, interviewed me and hired me on the, the same day, the same day they interviewed me. So, um, you know, the job they had pro pistol product manager was, it, it was, it was pretty well suited for my background. You know, they needed someone who had gun knowledge, someone who, was relatively personable and good on camera. And I had done work on camera with shooting USA a lot when I was shooting for team Smith and Wesson. Um, and they needed someone who had a pretty good feel for the market as far as gun sales and what, what people like, what people want, because I had the, you know, the, the guns, I worked at a gun store for, you know, three years. So, uh, and had a big hand in, I mean, it was my place. So it, it, it was pretty successful. And I want to think it was because of my staff and I had a little bit to do with it. So it, it turned out that the, the job offering um, worked out great. Robbie Johnson actually called me for both jobs. He called me for Remington and then he moved to SIG left before I left. And then he called me from SIG. So he <laughs> recruited me for both jobs. Um, and, you know, I couldn't be happier where I'm at. I love it. You know, Remington was fine too. I enjoyed Remington. It was, uh, you know, it was a different time in my life. Um, you know, my boss was, he was a tough, tough cookie to, to hang with. You know, he, he was, uh, he traveled a lot. He, he lived life loose and fast too. <laughs> so, yeah, but, uh, you know, now, I, now I'm more settled. I'm, you know, living here in New Hampshire. So I, I've, 
I literally am spending spans of seven years of my life in different places. So hopefully that is done and I can stay here. Well, I'm glad you got out of Hoodbridge. Yeah. <laughs> no kidding, right? Yeah, Hoodbridge was a little rough. We were uh, luckily I didn't live should... in Lorton, but I was pretty close to the Hood Bridge. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know you if you I, should see it Dave, now. Yeah, I don't know if Dave kind of let you in on uh, on the fact that the three of us work there uh, together. So, oh, really? Yeah. Jeez. So we're we're in we're in the public safety market. So yeah, we're down. Yeah, there. A lot of there's a lot of a lot of work there. Then I'll tell you that. Yeah, yeah. we all work for Prince William County Fire Department. Yeah. Oh, oh well. Were you guys working on uh, 2006 when shooters burned to the ground? Yes, that was, was literally yep. the year after I got hired. <laughs> yep, I, I was. Yeah. Since you brought since you brought it up, Phil, I'm going to bring up another incident there that I was on. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, I know. <laughs> there was a Capitol Police officer who was there one night shooting and may have shot himself it was that one uh, at, at shooters yeah at shooters uh it so happened a, after i sold it that's what i'm i'm wondering because it'd be about i'm gonna say 2005 yeah i sold in 05 but we never had a shooting incident on the range when i owned it i i set up a bunch of uh you know, SOPs for if it happened. And I know that a young lady killed herself uh, intentionally on the range after I sold it shortly after I sold it, but I didn't, I did not know that. Yeah. I, I did hear about that one too, but yes, I was actually working this night. I was the one who flew the guy out of there, but um, that's how we know it wasn't you. <laughs> exactly. Wow. Yeah. So I asked the guy, I was like, he shot himself in the thigh. I'm like, okay, were you holstering or unholstering? What, he said, neither. Now I'm really confused. I'm like, huh? And he said, well, normally I wear a hat when I shoot, but I forgot to bring my hat today. Uh, and the hot brass went down his back and somehow in his, ah, it's hot. He shot himself in the leg. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Hot brass dance. That's a, that's a bad yeah, one. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. A friend of mine, actually an instructor of mine, he, he teaches out at uh, the range of VIR. Uh, he actually got shot in the leg. The girl was wearing a spaghetti top and brass went down her top and she shot him. And he had just gotten a tattoo on his calf and it went right through his leg and right through the tattoo, right in the middle of the tattoo. And we gave him more help for that than anything. Like, oh, I mean, he wasn't hurt. I mean, it, it was in and out, flesh wound, no big deal. But uh, he's got oh, a yeah, flesh wound. right in the middle of that special forces tattoo. And I was like, oh my God. So, wow. Got it, got it in combat. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Old war wound. Yeah. Where'd you get it? Italy. Yeah, don't worry about it. Yeah. Oh, she was Italian. Okay. Yeah. Spaghetti 